People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. We're pleased to have you back in the Brothers Talk family, Dan Kitchen, Barbershop, Backyard, Corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations to spur critical thinking and activism around your support for the Black community. Greetings as well to our first-time listeners. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to you becoming longtime listeners and helping us in spreading the word about the podcast and what we're doing. We really hope and pray that you're getting the message of how vitally important critical thinking is to us as the Black community and why we must challenge ourselves to keep from losing more ground every day that we fail to think for ourselves. Our DNA is that of the greatest minds that will walk the earth, the builders of the pyramids, the inventors of the written word, mathematics, medicine, libraries, schools, and navigation of the high seas, not to mention so many of the world's great modern day inventions like the toilet, the traffic light, air conditioning, digital computers, touch tones, fiber optic cables, and caller ID, just to name a few. So like the great UNCF slogan reminds us, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And waste it you will if we don't challenge ourselves to use what we've been given by God in terms of our brains. And here's a little secret for some of you. Once you get past your initial fear or nervousness about what you might say and begin engaging, you'll find you could enjoy waking up that part of your brain that's been dormant while you've been using the rest of it to simply soak up the nonsense coming from so many other sources. And let's please keep the focus on black love and building self-sufficiency through our Relaunching Black Wall Street One Household at a Time campaign with a focus on expanding the number of Black-owned businesses both inside and outside our community. Support them with your dollars and talk them up. You'll be surprised how many people from other ethnic groups are looking for opportunities to contribute to our communities by buying Black as well. Lastly, for me, Black family, don't rush COVID-19 and think we're over it without getting your vaccinations and wearing your mask. We're getting closer to the end of this pandemic or however it's going to be our new standard of living, but we are not there yet. So again, get your vaccinations and please wear your mask. And now to my brother in the struggle, Norm. That was a great introduction. I want to just reach out to our audience, our family, our community, everyone who's been supporting us. And I really want to say thank you for the support. It's growing. And soon, I'm sure we will have our YouTube channel up and running, and we'll be giving you news week to week directly, and we hope that you will contribute with that also. Just thank everyone again. But most importantly, our health. Rod mentioned the COVID. It's not over yet. But remember, our health goes beyond that. Our health goes to our diet, exercise, and everything, because we can't move forward as a community, as a people, as a nation, without good health. Thank you, Rod. 
And so once again, we're going to have a kind of a round robin today as we share on a number of topics that we hope you'll pick up on and carry the conversation forward wherever you are. From the lighthearted to the consequential, from the NBA top 75 players to President Biden's pick for the Supreme Court. So let's start with the NBA top 75 players. You know, Norm, I saw some pretty glaring omissions there. You know, names that weren't on that list, like Bernard King, Alex English, Joe Dumars, David Thompson, Dwight Howard, Bob Lanier, Connie Hawkins, and Walt Bellamy. We know why you had guys with a limited body of work so far, like Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard even, and Dame Lillard. And the question always comes up, you know, who do you take off the list as though that's supposed to be hard? It's not hard for me. Steve Nash, Bill Walton, Dave DeBusher, uh, Celtic player who just rode Bill Russell's coattails, Bill Sharman. And for that matter, guys like Paul Arizon and Dolph Shays, or, you know, guys just given a pass from their ears when for the most part, they didn't play against that many black players. Oh, I totally agree with you. And I told you, I had the opportunity to run into Bernard King years ago when they came out with the top 50 players. And I was shocked that Bernard didn't make that list. So I, I asked Albert, you know, what did he thought, what he thought about that? And, and naturally he thought it was a travesty, but I can't believe, and you did mention Bernard King, he's not even in the top 75. I have to question that. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure there are people who are looking at some of these guys that are on there. And like I said, when I see guys like Steve Nash and Bill Walton and Dave DeBush, you know, guys who I actually saw play. I, I definitely don't know what would ever make anybody say Steve Nash. And frankly, I know that John Stockton holds the assist record, but I don't know why that makes you one of the greatest players to ever play because you pass the ball to guys who made shots. And so, you know, they put guys on there based off of sort of like the sports writers reputation. We know sports writers have agendas, but, you know, Bill Walton barely played at all. And yeah, he got a ring when he was backup center for the Celtics. And but this is the NBA. This is not his college record that we're talking about. Right. Did, did Owen Hayes make that list? Yes, he did. OK, good. Um, and I agree with you, because even when Stockton played, there were several point guards better than him. Right. And, and I'm sure not every one of them made the list. You're, you could, you're certainly right. I mean, Kevin Johnson was a guy who played and was better than Stockton during that time. And I don't think Kevin Johnson belonged on there. That's my personal opinion. But if he doesn't belong on there and he was better than Stockton, then I don't see how people keep pushing Stockton. Because, I mean, I look at it this way. 75% of his assists went to one guy. You know, that guy became like the NBA's second leading all-time scorer. But the bottom line is that put Stockton on another team and tell me that he gets that assist record. Um, I definitely have to agree with you there. And we know that Nash is on there because of his MVPs. And even one of those and both of those are really questionable. Right. So, you know, so, I mean, so that's just the thing. But like you said, they put these guys on there and, and I guess it's just meant to stir up controversy but and stir up conversation. But, hey, I'll look at it and make my comment just like you did. And we don't have to just sit and believe that, you know, look, you have to take anybody's word for it. I think that's why they write these lists and put them out is because they mean for them to stir up some critical thought. Think about who these guys are and don't just sit back and accept for the sake of somebody having told you so that these guys are the greatest. 
Rod, just a quick question. Is this list created by sports writers? And sports writers, NBA, I think the NBA Veterans Committee or something like that, but mainly sports writers. That makes sense. So, and then in our next topic that I want to talk about, again, staying on the sports theme, little known fact when we've been talking about the lack of black coaches in the NFL and what are the odds against them. And, you know, we've been talking about what we call the Cochran rule because we noted that the Rooney rule so-called only came about because Johnny Cochran threatened to sue the league back in 2000 for the lack of black coaches there. And so it really ought to be called the Cochran rule, but the bottom line is they're still at this writing and only three black, or let's put it away, two black and one mixed race coach in the NFL. And according to the league's own 2021 football diversity and inclusion report, seven, one in every seven of the NFL coaches in a supervisory role is related to a current or former NFL coach. And 10 of the league's 32 head coaches, that's one third of them, are the son, father, or brother of a former or current coach. And so out of the 73 coaches that are related to one another, out of all the coaches, 55 or 75% of them are white. So, yeah, you do have the other 25% that are black and related to one another. But I think this shows a real serious barrier to – why we can't get more black coaches in because this is a lot of nepotism. They just look for somebody who's in their family. It's like right now, you know, you've got the Shanahan's and the Schottenheimer's and the McVeigh's who are all in there and one after another, they continue to have these jobs. And so that is another thing that locks out a bunch of black coaches, because if you don't have black coaches who are in the head coaching role, then there's no way for them to have the same kind of nepotism. And, Rod, you know, as soon as you mentioned this topic to me, what really came to my mind is this whole legacy thing. And you see this literally across the board in American society where you have a generation of whites that have achieved a certain level that really open the doors up for their kids and, the, and other whites in their communities. And that's really what you have here. Um, and what really came to mind was someone like John McCain who simply got into the Naval Academy because his grandfather and father had gone through, and he went in and finished dead booty last and was arguably the worst pilot they had in Vietnam. So, I mean, that's just a carryover to American society as far as I can tell. You couldn't have said it better, Norm, because we know it happens in the colleges, and I would like for them to do a report at that level because you got a lot of college coaches who are just like what we're talking about in the NFL. That's where the pipeline begins. These guys like Lane Kiffin, you know, who are the sons of former coaches and coaches assistants who get these jobs at these top institutions, and they start out young. You know, they're not even in their 30s, some of them, when they end up being, you know, coordinators at the college ranks, and then they ascend to the head coaching ranks there, and it's just a matter of time before they make it up to the next level, to the pro game. And so just like we were saying, if you don't have those kind of relationships, nor should you have, because there's nothing that says that anything about your bloodline 
qualifies you to be a good coach. And I would go out on a limb uh, that I don't think I have any difficulty worrying about falling off and say that the vast majority of these folks who are related to one another turn out to be awful coaches. Oh, definitely. Most of them turn out to be awful coaches. And most white coaches, or period, most coaches high period, are terrible coaches. And as I mentioned, the Giants in the past six years have hired a total three incompetent coaches. None of them lasted more than two years. But an African-American coach does not have the opportunity to fail. And they want to make every excuse why the, the enemy hasn't gotten an opportunity when every other literally incompetent coach, white coach, will get that chance. Right. So look at the double whammy that black coaches face. First of all, they can't get the interviews to get the jobs or the serious interviews, let's say, because as we call the Cochrane rules, somewhat enforced. So they make a sham show of interviewing some of these guys. But when it comes to the hiring side of it, if they're not actually related to somebody, they already have another strike that's against them that favors somebody else who's competing for the same opportunity. So just like we said before, it is just the the deck being stacked against these coaches. And so I maintain that the solution has to be that every team needs to be assigned a chief diversity officer who's involved in the hiring process. And that chief diversity officer needs to report directly back to the league office. They should have a chief diversity officer there who compiles the information. And that person does not need to report to the commissioner because we know the commissioner is just a lapdog for the owners. So they need to put like an outside authority on that individual and maybe even have a report to somebody like Congress because there's a lot of federal money that goes into supporting these football teams. And the perfect person for that position will be Kaepernick. Oh, man. Now you said a mouthful. You know, they don't want that. Hey, they'll go to the Supreme Court to keep that. They might disband the league, keep that from happening. That's exactly why he's the, he's the person for it, because they don't want him, because he's going to do that job properly. And that's the perfect segue into our third topic, which we want to talk a little bit about Kentanji Brown-Jackson, who is President Biden's picked for the Supreme Court. She is an African-American jurist who's come up through the ranks currently an appeals court judge and seemingly a really solid pick because she comes from the public defender side as a lawyer. And that is something that is rather unique on the high court because typically they take people who have been prosecutors and I hadn't really thought about it until I read up on her background, because you just think about it, the fact that you've got these justices sitting there who have tended to be a part of the system on the side of the prosecution district attorneys all these years. And so when a, a court case does get appeals to them, well, it's hard to see them actually getting a real fair shake. And so the idea that you would put somebody in there who is a public defender comes from that background, meaning that she wasn't someone who was always hired by the people with the most money, but she was often assigned cases, including she defended people who were sentenced to Guantanamo Bay, you know, Gitmo. And so she's had to look at the law from that side of it, and she chose to do that. That, to me, it would be a great addition and the fact that I really love the idea of a black woman who would be in there, who would be ready to give Uncle Clarence what for? Well, 
Rod, to be quite honest with you, I really haven't looked at that at that this closely because I'm so finished with the Supreme Court. I'm so finished with the Biden administration. I'm so finished with the Democratic Party. I don't trust them as far as I could spit. Now, she may be good. She may be actually coming to represent the people, which is really what we need. That may be the case. But to be again, to be honest with you, I haven't looked at that too closely because I'm just it, it, it makes sickens me to even think about any of these people. And, you know, and that's a fair point, Norm, because that's what we're trying to encourage people to do here is we put it out there and say, oh, look for yourself. Like I said, we give you our opinion. And so, as you said, you're just now beginning because this just came out in the week leading up to us recording this particular episode. And so we want people to really take a good look. Why? Because we know that the repugs are going to come after her in no uncertain terms. They're going to be claiming that she's everything but a child of God. They're going to start to try to demean and belittle her reputation as a lawyer. And that's why I mentioned that, you know, she's had to look from the defendant side of the table. And certainly in this country, we think that everybody in Gitmo is just automatically a terrorist when we know that when you take on the history of this country's legal system, that there's probably some innocent folks sitting down there. And we've heard about some cases like that. And so she's been inside the system watching what it does to people. And she's fought for their rights. And according to our system of justice, everybody is supposed to have the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And so I think it'll just be great to have somebody in there with that background who forces the court. And I can't think of anybody better to force the court to look at that than a black woman, particularly a black woman who comes from a, a liberal background now. Well, maybe she won't get them to look at it, but she'll be a voice and someone to put that out there to at least make them deal with it. Right. You know, and, and, and that much is needed as well. So I really can't, I can't be mad at that. Right. Right. And so, as we said, we know the, the, in the coming days, the Republicans are going to come hard. One of the little facts that came out from CNN was that she's married to a twin and her husband's twin brother is married to Paul Ryan's sister-in-law. Paul Ryan, the former Republican Speaker of the House, who's now on the board of Fox News. So what will Paul Ryan do when Fox decides to unload both barrels coming at his sister-in-law? I think that's a kind of an interesting quandary. Yeah, it, it, it'll make some uh, real good discussions around Christmas time. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see what happens there. But the bottom line is, we as a people should be doing our due diligence because, as I said, we don't know Kentanji Brown Jackson, and yet the Biden administration has put her name forward. So. We certainly ought to do our due diligence because we ought to be ready to fight off those folks who are going to try to say everything from she was an affirmative action pick or why was there not more being said about her being picked because she is a black woman. And, you know, those are just all specious arguments, but we're not going to sit back and allow these kinds of comments to go unchallenged. And that's why we have to keep our focus on critical thinking. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, I mean, we have no other option. So, I mean, we e either come together and deal with these issues 
or we just stay individual as individuals and perish. All right. So in our Black Business Spotlight of the Week, let's take this opportunity to give out a little bit of Black history that all of us should know and that we should continue to arm ourselves with as much as possible, as we mentioned in knowing the great creativeness in the DNA running through our veins. Henry T. Sampson is an African-American inventor best known for creating the world's very first cell phone. In 1971, he was awarded a patent along with George Miley for Gamma Electrical Cell, a device that produces a high voltage from radiation sources, primarily gamma radiation with proposed goals of generating auxiliary power from the shielding of a nuclear reactor. So on April 3rd, 1973, using the patented technology they created, they placed the first public call from a mobile phone, a real handheld portable cell phone at Motorola. So just think of how ever-present today's mobile phones are in that ever since I believe it was 2011, they have surpassed the number of landline phones. You know, basically everybody now has a mobile phone and it's all due in part, main part to Henry T. Sampson, an African-American inventor. So that's a wrap for another program. And God willing, we will keep the focus on the issues that impact our community and on the path to a better future. Don't forget to follow us and communicate with us by sending your comments, questions, and show ideas to The Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can email us at thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Until the next time, as always, we sincerely appreciate your time and your interest. We'll never take it or you for granted. And remember, let's do better today because that's all we really have.